Okay, here we are. Uh, Amy, the floor is yours, young lady. So welcome everyone to our webinar today for a live interview about the crisis in Ukraine. Hello. I'm Amy Green, a member with Team Up for Hope, which were a community-based nonprofit dedicated to raising awareness, funds and support for local nonprofit organizations at the forefront of mental illness. Our mission at Team Up for Hope is that we're an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit organization that seeks to address the impact of mental illness, substance abuse, and suicide in our communities by raising funds and awareness for local nonprofit organizations at the forefront of these crises. So Team Up for Hope believes that education, resources, and support are essential to helping end the stigma and silence around mental health diagnoses drug use, and suicide. By teaming up with local experts, the goal of our collaborative webinars is to provide educational resources and support and to get the conversation started. So today, Team Up for Hope will be interviewing live Joanna Asia Bagnarsek. Yes, it's difficult to pronounce. Hello, thank you for having me. Hi, you know, I'm going to introduce myself now. Uh, I'm Wayne Patterson. I'm also a member of the Team Up for Hope organization and, and the nonprofit that, that Amy was just talking about. And I'm going to be interviewing you, Joanna Benarczyk. Benarczyk? Benarczyk. But, but I don't expect anybody uh, can, can you the Polish it, native it? speaker to pronounce it correctly. So, but but, but say it so I could hear. Bednarczyk. Bednarczyk. So it's like a jick. It's like a jick. Yeah. Okay. Bednarczyk. Yeah. The Bednarczyk. Okay, Joanna. But we call you Asia. Asha, actually. Asha. Yeah. Asha. Okay. So here we are, and you are. Well, how about? You are a member of an organization called Homo Fabra, right? And and you have you've had the task of providing aid to the Ukrainian refugees as they were fleeing into Poland, which I can only imagine what that is like. And um, so you're going to be giving us firsthand information. I'm going to be asking you some questions, but what I would like to know first is. Tell me about the organization, you know, prior to, to this crisis in, in Ukraine. All right. Yeah. So as you said, I'm, my name is Asha Bednarczyk. I'm a member of the board of Homo Faber Association. And I have been a member of the organization for the last seven, eight years and a member of the board for the last four or five years. Um, and our organization was launched in was was launched in 2004 in Lublin as a local non-governmental organization supporting mainly uh, supporting mainly integration of migrants and refugees, uh, anti-discrimination, and we also were organizing and are still organizing some cultural events, but for the ed educational purposes. So mainly education through films. Um, and at the beginning, so um, the organization, the origins of organizations 
um, are pretty interesting because uh, it was created by the local members of Amnesty International, which wanted with this, which who decided that they'd rather work uh, not for other countries on the uh, in the other parts of the world that we want to make a change in our local community. So that's why, because this is how Amnesty International works, that they support initiatives and support human rights in the other parts of the world, uh, instead of the country of origin uh, for the local members. So um, our, we call them founding fathers of Homo Faber, they, uh, they actually decided to start a new organization, which will be grassroots and local. And we've been working, um, according to the standards of human rights for the last uh, 20 years, almost uh, 18 years, 19. Uh, calculations are difficult right now. Um, and as I said, uh, it started in a very different way than we are operating right, right now. So our organization is experiencing uh, the very abrupt and constant growth since the beginning of the war. And actually it has, it started a little bit earlier when uh, the organization um, became more recognizable uh, in Poland and probably also worldwide because our uh, representatives, the members of the board, uh, it wasn't personally me, but Anna and Piotr. Anna is the president, Anna Dombrowska, she's the president of Homo Faber and Piotr Skripczak, they were actively uh, taking part uh, in the operations at the Belarusian border when we also still have actually a humanitarian crisis with the Middle East refugees, African refugees, and they are being constantly pushed between Poland and Belarus. Mm. Wow. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll stop now. So you had your hands full, you had your hands full prior to, to the, the new, the new, uh, um, to the current events. The current events now, you know, there's a war in the Ukraine. And actually, before I even start my questions, or what my, my, my most important questions, are you and your family in Poland safe? Yes, that's basically, uh, we try to emphasize that, that it's not really about us Polish people. Of course, at the beginning of the war, there were like some serious concerns about what's going to happen next. Uh, is the European Union generally safe? And Poland, of course, the biggest fear was, of course, in Poland and Romania, Moldova, Georgia, like the countries neighboring with uh, Ukraine and um, Ukraine and Russia. But uh, it seems it's been over a month uh, since the Russian uh, invasion started and it does not seem that the war is going to expand. So actually, um, all we can do right now is to support uh, Ukrainian people because they are really in danger. Yeah. Uh, because the operations are constantly are, are constantly uh, taking place there, but actually there in Poland it is safe. Good, that's good to hear. How far from is your office and where you live from the Ukraine border? Mm -hmm. So maybe it's an uh, it's a it's it's pretty important information. Uh, why Lublin? Because uh, I don't know if I, if I have mentioned that. So I told you that we are working locally. We are based in Lublin, uh, and Lublin is the first biggest city in the eastern Poland. So it's like around hundred kilometers from Ukrainian border. Um, but also it's important that the main war operations they they take place mainly in the 
eastern part of Ukraine. So, for example, from Lublin to Lviv, okay. uh, um, it's around, uh, it's the same distance between Lublin and Lviv as between Lublin and Warsaw, so around 180 kilometers, more or less. So it's pretty close. Um, and that's why that's why probably the majority of people uh, and who are coming they end up in our city or at least they treat it as a transit city. But at some point they they are going to be in Lublin because, as I told you, it's like the biggest city in the right. in eastern right. Poland. Right. So so as they so as they leave the Ukraine, they are just filtering to Lub. Uh, Lublin because it is a big city and that and big cities has more to offer more resources etc for those that, that are traveling from from their homes my goodness gracious um, so and that was one, that was my next question which you answered um, now here's an important question that everybody asks me you know we're here in the United States and we're just seeing all of this firsthand on the news and whatever the media was sharing with us. And there are countless organizations trying to get together to send you supplies and goods and foods and money, and it goes on. What is the most critical thing for, for these Ukrainians to, to receive right now? I guess it's a very difficult question, and uh, I'd answer that way that it depends what what kind of organization you are working at. So if you work at Polish humanitarian organizations uh, that are mainly focused on actually sending things that are needed, and these are hygienic products, food, some military products, also uh, weapons, actually. We, we, we received all kinds of requests, actually, to help to find, like... Uh, I don't know, helmet, uh, for example, for soldiers or bulletproof vest or something like that. We, of course, as our organization does not provide this kind of support because uh, we decided that we will be more focused on actually helping the Ukrainians who are already in Poland and who want to stay in Poland to um, start their life in this new reality. So uh, we offer them psychological support, we offer them some free time activities, Polish lessons, legal aid, um, children daycare uh, facility and things like that. Because this is also very important that uh, the, the face of this migration is, is female, so mainly women uh, are coming, women and children are coming to Poland because men between uh, aged between uh, 18 and 65, as far as I remember, or 60 or something like that, are not allowed to leave Ukraine right now because they may be called for the army. So um, we try to provide people with uh, this support uh, so that they can start their life. As far as the um, collections of some kind of items are concerned. Uh, of course, we used to organize transport, but at some point we just realized that we cannot do anything. So there, there are some other organizations who are sending like, as I said, hygienic materials. So this is a difficult question because those needs are constantly changing. So at some point there were mainly like hygienic products or products connected with, um, um, injuries. So I don't know exactly how is it called in English. Um, yes. some like pastors and things like that. But then Polish society is very responsive to that need. So whenever we hear something, there are a huge uh, number of people willing to help and sending this. So one day it can be this product and the other day it can be something completely else. 
Um, right. Now, what I'm going to, I think you have my, there, there were some email threads going back and forth. And, and, and I, I was in that email, but I have your email. And what I would like to be able to do is have you, and, and we'll chat on email, um, but I, I would like for you to send me some of the organizations that, because we, we're, we're getting, you know, this is a great time for scams, you know, in America where people could pretend to be a supporter of, of this, this effort and they're really not. So since you're right there, it would just be great to receive from you some of the names and contact information for those that are getting the hygiene and the food and, and clothing and, and, you know, uh, that's, yeah, something as simple as I'm sure probably diapers, you know, yeah. probably like that has to be a big deal and, and, and toothpaste and soap and, and all Medicine that stuff. Also. So there are some huge uh, medicine uh, collect, uh, collections. So uh, it, yeah. at the beginning of the world, it, these were mainly painkillers. But I think that these days uh, there is no strong need for painkillers since, as I said, uh, our society uh, is pretty solidar, uh, is full of solidarity with Ukraine. And uh, it's, of course, not only Polish people, because uh, as a member of this organization, I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm in touch with organization from all around the world and it's not just me plus some other members so of course we are coordinating the works there but it's not just our effort right, right? so um, I, could, I could see how that was a loaded question you know whether you take money or stuff because their mm -hmm. own stuff has so many different meanings and and oh my goodness so what about money Right now we are collecting money uh, because we are um, opening a center for refugees in our, uh, in our city, which is the first, which will be the first in institution of that kind uh, in our city. And uh, some other big cities in Poland, um, they already have these kind of institutions. So these are like very complex centers in which refugees can be taken care of in many different aspects. So uh, to start with Polish lessons, some kind of professional courses, some kind of scholarship possibilities uh, to boost their professional skills. Children daycare, we want also to open, we also want to open an intervention hostel for people who do not have a place to stay overnight. Um, so it's like a huge project and uh, you can imagine uh, it's a big change in our company, because, uh, in our, not company, in our organization, because it's, it used to be a really small, uh, a really small NGO. Uh, we had maybe 10 people involved. So now we are going to need like, I don't know, 50, 60, up to 100 <laughs> to organize all of this. So we are at the process of constructing the budget of this and um, the cost of um, holding this kind of institution is a few millions water a year. Um, so right. it, it's a gigantic, uh, gigantic cost. Of course, it's not um, in order to provide this kind of support uh, and you need to have some trust towards the organization. So of course, right. people are rather willing to send stuff 
items, like something specific. Not everybody is so willing to send money, but right now I have to say that we seem to be uh, pretty reliable since we are working in Danish refugees, refugee centers and national refugee centers worldwide, many organizations from Germany, Spain, the USA. So uh, we, we are also applying for the grants from the Polish ministries and for Polish authorities because there are a lot of there are a lot of project lines that were opened for uh, NGOs like ours uh, to prevent this, this crisis. And the majority of them, so that you understand me well, there are a lot of organizations who are just going to Ukraine, providing the transports there and assisting uh, or taking people from Ukraine, bringing them to Poland, Poland. We are not doing it. We are focused mainly right now. We are focused mainly on dealing, managing people who are already in, in our city. Right. So if if I have some people in America that said, listen, I want I, I it seems as though, you know, Asha has it covered with the psychological, the daycare and the center that's kind of moving along. I want to put funds into those individuals that are transporting, that are driving into Ukraine and trying to drive Ukrainians out you'd be able to point me to who that organization is to be able to, I guess, provide them with funds for gas or, or maintenance mm -hmm. of their trucks or whatever it may be. Yeah. Sure, yes, okay. of course. Okay. Yeah, I'll be able to um, were, were a lot of the Ukrainians coming over, were, were some of them injured? You know, ha had they been in areas that were targeted and they made it to your country, but they were in bad shape physically? There were some cases like that for sure. Now, which is like the current problem is like the sexual violence uh, during the war. And uh, we are really worried. So this is like, uh, I, I'm also a member of some kind of feminist organization, uh, which mainly works uh, in the field of women's rights. And um, we have, uh, we received some information about women who were raped uh, during the during the war in Ukraine and they are pregnant now. And what worries us is that Poland right now has one of the most restrictive abortion, anti-abortion actually laws um, within the European Union. And actually, this is pretty this is pretty scary because we cannot legally provide help to those women. And we are trying to do something to change that. There were some petitions organized. Uh, so that, of course, we have this, um, so to say, um, support groups and some kind of informal organizations who can support women uh, in like uh, helping to get abortion after, after being raped. But uh, legally, theoretically, it's forbidden in Poland, Poland even, to, even to assist women in doing it. So this is the current, this is currently the, the most terrible problem. Um, as far as very severely injured people, I don't... Well, that, that's injury enough. Yeah. You know, being, yeah, being yeah, that's true. And, mm -hmm. and, and then being pregnant and then being somewhere that it's not legally okay to have an abortion. You know, oh my goodness. Um, the, has, has there been any organizations or any help to get some of the Ukrainians to the United States? Mm, this is this is also a very common question that we get asked, not only from uh, the Americans, but also from uh, other 
people, su supporters from, for example, Western Europe, they uh, are also asking us why the Ukrainians do not want to go, for example, to Western Europe. Why do they stay in Poland? Um, I have some people like, uh, I have some transport, I can take seven people to the Netherlands, okay? But it's like, uh, you have to like understand the specific relationship between Poland and Ukraine. So the first thing, they are very close to their home. So it's like, as I said, uh, if they stay in Lublin, they're actually, I don't know, 100, 200 kilometers from their home. And probably they are full of hope that the war is going to start stop soon. Uh, so this is this may be the, the first reason why they are staying in Poland. The second reason is um, uh, trivial, but our languages are very similar. It's much easier for Ukrainian people to learn uh, Polish than to learn, I don't know, Spanish, French or German. Yeah, so this is another reason. The third thing, uh, which the, the, the third factor, uh, which I believe is very important, that is that we had already had a lot of Ukrainian people living in Poland before the war, because there were, this is the biggest migration in Poland. A lot of people, uh, is, a lot of people are studying here or working here. So also, um, people who were already in Poland, they would keep their, they would keep their families. They wanted to take their families, their relatives to Poland. Um, personally, I do not know any organization who organizes transports for refugees to the USA, but I've heard about some individuals, but this is mainly, again, connecting with their relatives, the families. So recently wow. I was, uh, my friends were helping with uh, the transport uh, of some refugees to Canada, uh, for example. It was the last week, for example. Uh, some people are deciding to go uh, to Spain, to France, but these are like single examples. Right, right. And, and, I, and I've heard of some Ukrainians coming here to be with friends of family members or family members that are here. And that makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm going to move on with questions here. Um, the children, I, it was good to hear that there was, that you were focusing on some childcare um, needs for the children, but how are they coping with like what the heck is going on, you know, and, and children are, you know, you figure you're, you're at least here in the United States, you're, you're still a child really until 21. Um, though 18 seems to be a number where you, you have some, some, some more rights, but how are they handling this whole situation and adapting and what is being done for them? Mm -hmm. So in Ukraine, actually, you stop being a ch child a little bit earlier, even earlier than in Poland, because they graduate high school very early. So uh, in Ukraine, uh, they are 17 years old when they graduate high school. And this is the moment very for, for many teenagers to move even to Poland to study. So we have a lot, We as I said before, we uh, had already had a lot of young Ukrainians, like very young, like 17, 16 sometimes, uh, like they didn't, uh, there's a six and a half for example yeah so they were very young and they started their independent life in Poland um, so now the problem with children is uh, is that um, some kids are sent to Poland on their own and uh, in Ukraine you have to be 15 I don't remember precisely but I guess that the regulation says that you have to be 15 or 16 and you have to have the 
paper, the document from your parents confirming that you can go on your own and you can even be a caretaker of yet or of a kid which is even younger. Yeah, so wow. this is the problem. Um, again, this is some rumors. So I cannot give you very specific data or data or names, but actually there were some information about missing children. Yeah, so children who were sent to Poland or to Europe, to, to the European Union on their own, and they got lost. There were also some examples of human trafficking on the borders. Um, so uh, it was the moment when we um, decided to print some more information um, um, sheets for Ukrainian women, especially because, as I said, these are only women, these are mainly women and children, so they are very vulnerable. Um, so we started printing some materials, uh, giving them information that they should be careful, they shouldn't just uh, enter some um private cars without being appointed they should wait for some kind of organized transport uh, but of course it's very difficult because on the other hand there are a lot of people with good intentions so you actually may warn um ukrainian people even against those people who have good intentions but you have to be super careful and kids and right it, now they uh, 15 or 16 how do you 15 16 17 and you have little ones with you yeah you I may didn't know anything, you know. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, the and one more one thing because yeah, one 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 more thing that I would like to add is that um, a lot of um, a lot of Ukrainian kids they actually already started attending Polish schools and this is something amazing uh, that they could do that. And this is amazing because uh, I live near a, near a primary school and I've uh, met some uh, young girls at aged, I don't know, 10, maybe 12 uh, in my neighborhood. And they were teaching Polish, a Ukrainian girl, uh, <laughs> like in their free time. So this is extraordinary. Like you, you may not have the... Um, the reference point, how, how similar the languages are. So they are not identical. Uh, it's not so easy, but children, they're like, you know, their brains are like sponges. So they, yeah. they adapt yeah. so quickly, basically. So sometimes we can speak with Ukrainians. I speak Polish and somebody from Ukraine speaks Ukrainian and we kind of understand each other. Now, that's, and that's a plus. And that, that, that resonates with the familiarity of, being okay in Poland, being okay back home in Ukraine, and really not wanting to venture out if they don't have family or friends anywhere else in the world. You know, the, where are, cause I know it was kind of like overnight though, it, it was over a series of weeks into months now that you got an influx of all these people. Um, where are they staying now? Like where are they living? Where are they sleeping? Where are they eating? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, this is also the part that our organization uh, cares about. Um, so generally, just to give you the reference, uh, the population of our city, which is 300,000. Uh, so for American standards, it's not a very big city, but for Polish standards, it's the ninth city in Poland. Um, and the, the population of our city has grown up to up 10% within the first month of the invasion. Um, and now this number, because you may, you, may, you, may have, you may think that um, the number is still growing, but it's not really like that. 
uh, some people uh, have already decided to go back to Ukraine. Um, there are less people coming. Um, so the first month was, let's say, critical. Uh, but now it's a little bit less people. So some people are, they, they've already decided to come back to Ukraine uh, because the situation, but I don't know why actually. And this is our big dilemma as organization. Should we encourage people to go, go back? How can we provide help? We cannot tell them that it's safe to come back to Ukraine because it's not. We have no idea what may happen. So right now, people who are in Lublin, uh, for example, they are staying at private houses. Uh, so our organization opened the whole um, the whole process um, for uh, with verification for uh, people who can be hosts for uh, families, Ukrainian families. Of course, it's very difficult because in Poland uh, the majority of people still lives in blocks of flats, so we don't have big houses or something like that. Still, some of us have, but in the cities we don't have really like houses. Mm. So usually it's like the solution for one week, two weeks tops. And uh, usually families are coming together. So it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult because they want to be together. And of course, a friend of mine, she hosted the free generation of women. She hosted uh, a mother, a daughter and the grandmother at her home for two weeks. And these are people who are lucky enough to find something like that. Uh, plus, uh, also, some people are renting flats. Uh, this real estate market is really full right now. Uh, of course, the prices are getting higher and higher. But also for, for people who couldn't, uh, who weren't able to find uh, this kind of accommodation, there are some um, accommodation spots opened in every city. And it depends on the city. For example, in Warsaw, it used to be, I don't know, uh, in the Palace of Culture, the big, this iconic big building like the symbol of Warsaw or, or something, or maybe stadium, maybe I'm confusing it. I'm not from Warsaw. Okay, so I'm thinking in the back. In Lublin, in, in Lublin, there were also those, um, those accommodation spots organized in some kind of sports house, for sport halls, for example, or some kind of a arena. Yeah. Hall. Yeah, so uh, just bets, you know, and now uh, I've just asked my friend because I saw your questions uh, before, uh, I saw some questions before the interview and uh, I, I thought that maybe I missed some information and my friend of mine um, who is more uh, involved in the operation of our committee supporting refugees, um, uh, he just told me that two spots in Lublin were closed recently. And this is not, they, they weren't closed because, uh, yeah, people didn't want to work there or we lost our volunteers, but there was no need because people are coming back to Ukraine or they are moving further uh, to some other places in Poland. Also Polish government and NGOs encourage people to uh, go to some smaller cities. And because usually it's Lublin, because it's closest to the border, it's Warsaw, because it's a capital city, and Wrocław, because Wrocław is a very beautiful city, and it's uh, it it also it had had a law a huge Ukrainian minority before the war, so that's why you know people are going there when they have friends, family, and some, some minority. Because Poland is pretty big. I, I, I saw Lublin, I looked at Lublin on the map and I saw that there was, you know, going further west, there were many other cities and, and spaces for, for the Ukrainians to, to potentially visit and go to. Um, but it seems as though you have been very, very accommodating. 
um, with those that have decided to settle. Because I, I laugh, not kind of laugh, but I was, you know, it, it seems as though you were get, getting people to work kind of immediately too, if they could work, right, yeah. to, to make some money. And you said people were looking to rent places. Now, are there is there money still in a bank, you know, or are they are they to have cash for everything? I mean, is, is the bank has the, the financial institutions been a mess in Ukraine for people to have money in their account to use their bank card to to do stuff, or is it all cash? I don't think I know the answer to that question. I okay. believe that it's possible to use the bank accounts. I also know that the Polish National Bank started some program which allowed. Um, to exchange the currency, uh, so the Ukrainian hryvnia into Polish złoty, and the and the rate was pretty good and profitable. Uh, but I don't know, and I okay. think it's pretty individual. And that wasn't one of the questions. I you, you mentioned them having money to be able to rent. That's what I they got money. They got cash, which which would be great. Earlier, you had talked about um, opening up a a refugee center. Mm -hmm. that refugee center um, and it, it takes money. Uh, do you know how much money? Again, uh, it's difficult to answer be because we, uh, it, it probably depends on the city and on the center. So we uh, actually are talking with the mayor of our city right now. Uh, and he said that he will be able to uh, give us a building uh, to use it. And also the city authorities will help us with the renovation of the building. IKEA will help us with furnishing the building. Strabag will help us with renovation and all the materials. So basically, not right now, we mainly need money to hire people. So to hire that many people, it would be around $100,000 a month, I believe. I, I need to take my calculator because I don't know if I'm not telling something which is not true right now. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, and you and I will continue our questioning and dialogue okay. after, you know, after and, and into the oncoming weeks as well. But um, it's like, it's, it's also so that you don't understand me wrong. Like we already have some funding for that. It's not that we like start from scratch. We've already gathered a lot of money. We've already collected uh, a lot of money as uh, our organization. And these are very diverse uh, ways of funding. So we started fundraising campaign on Facebook. Uh, we started, um, we had a lot of private donors uh, and really Polish society. It was very uplifting to see the Polish society's reaction to what's happening. And we are not the only organization in Poland that is worth supporting. That's the other thing. So I just, um, I, I can just imagine how, how great it's working because of this solidarity. Uh, we also cool. cooperate with a lot of, as I said, Danish Refugee Center, for example. So they, they provided us with some kind of grant, which is like the typical grant line. So we had to apply, we had to write the budget, we had to write the project and everything. Then we'll have to write the summary of it and report to them yeah uh, so yeah. that's it's like we try to be as transparent as possible um and tell me what that center was going to be used for again so the center is going to like the building which uh the mayor 
um, is thinking about uh, to to give at our disposal. Of course, not give. Yeah, it it will be like some kind of lease agreement between our organization and the city authorities. So again, we have to have we 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 need to have some lawyer support and things like that. Uh, it's a pretty nice building in the city center. Um, it's a huge space actually which is not used uh, so we are also not kicking out any other institutions or people and uh, on the first place it will be this, the head of uh, the head of uh, organizations and um, the city authorities they really want to encourage us and our organizations who are which are working with us um, for this committee because we are homophobic, this is the organization, but with some other organization, we started this committee for uh, Ukrainian support. Uh, so first of all, wow. it will be the seat of the companies, but we don't need much space. We just need a few rooms uh, to use as the office uh, office space. Right. Uh, but you said you went from 10 people to 50 people as well. So you have your, your, your you five times your, yeah. your size. But also we were 10 people, but not everybody was hired by the organization. So, for example, I was a member of the organization, but I was not hired like on a daily basis. I had my own other work, but I was just like cooperating if need be. Uh, and now we have we already have people that we would like to hire because uh, during this since the beginning of the war, we where we have been cooperating with like hundreds of volunteers and we already know who is the most reliable who has the strength and this physical resilience to to, to, to do these kind of activities who can do what so we actually uh, our biggest strength is like uh, human resources basically right now and it's not it wasn't like that that we are just like you know running on the streets of lublin looking for some people to hire we already have people that are very trusted and uh the main so the plan the final plan is very i would say ambitious uh because we want to have the intervention hostel uh some kind of uh, in this in this refugee center intervention host interventional inter, intervention hostel uh we also want to have uh legal aid psychological aid some kind of um free time leisure activities for women mainly but in the future we are also thinking of building uh, a Pol polish lessons uh, classrooms of course and ukrainian classrooms for for our members for polish people because we also think that we need to speak the language um, to start uh, working with with refugees um, but also um, we are thinking about some kind of workshop uh, in which uh, people could uh, gain some professional skills uh, we also think about making a cafe opening a cafe that would hire only refugees um, and in our actions we do not only think about ukrainian refugees although that's true they will be the main beneficiaries uh, but we always emphasize that we don't want to forget about other refugees yes. uh, so people that are dying on the borders with belarus for yes. example okay the it is ambitious and I look forward to see what's gonna be coming over the months and years with your with this center and with your organization. It's gonna be very pretty exciting. It you was can visit us maybe. What, what's that? You can, you can visit us maybe. Yes, 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 or... yes. What, what? Yeah, once the war stops, you know, we gotta, yeah. 
but I know there are a lot of people flying back and forth to um, to your country. Yeah. Um, I know somebody that's listening today that has gone come and gone several times um, to to your home. The you mentioned that it was hard to believe that some Ukrainians are actually heading back to the Ukraine from Poland. Are they going back home? Are they are they just? I mean, where are they going when they go back? If I, I assume if if they left because they were concerned, but if they could go back and their home hasn't been destroyed, they could just move back into their home, right? Or, um, it's also um, like it 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 is very diverse. Uh, it depends on the parts of Ukraine. Ukraine is pretty big, and uh, the biggest distractions. Uh, they basically uh, were observed in the Kiev oblast, in the Kiev region. Uh, so you've probably heard those names like Bucha, this like a city where a lot of people lost their lives, were murdered by Russians. Um, but uh, also Mariupol, uh, eastern uh, eastern part of Ukraine, like Crimea, uh, Donetsk, Ugansk. So these are the parts of Ukraine that are the most destroyed, and the majority of war activities is going on there. I believe that if people are coming back. Uh, they are coming back because they have hope it's going to stop soon or they are encouraged by the successes of the Ukrainian army who uh, which has already freed the uh, Kiev oblast like the Kiev region for example and it's like completely free from from Russian army at least information like a few days ago because it's all changing very quickly but um, also uh, for you to understand it well that I believe that maybe I, I'm, I'm not saying this is just my theory, but I, I, I think it makes sense. At the beginning of the war, people were really scared. So even people from East, uh, Western Ukraine or some um, uh, regions that weren't affected by this war activities that severely, they would also come to Poland. They would also flee their countries. And once they realized that, okay, maybe this region is not that severely destroyed or so severely attacked, Maybe that's why they decided to come back. Right. Or maybe they decided to come back to, you know, rebuild their houses. But I'm not in the position to tell you. This is these are just like the, the, the options that I that I believe are re reasonable and and probably they, they make sense. Well, there speaking of rebuilding, will there be um, support available from at least Poland um, to help with that effort? With the rebuilding, or that—that's a big—that's a bigger—that's a bigger picture, really way above our pay grades here in this conversation, mm -hmm. I guess. But because if something's destroyed, then I know the United States, everybody gets involved, right? And they kind of send support mm -hmm. for the rebuild. Um, you know, we 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 had you had touched upon this a number of times, and you're providing it now with the psychological uh, support because we know that this is a traumatic, traumatic, and this is right up our alley where Team Up for Hope focuses our effort on mental illness. And we know that mental illness is the beginning of suicide, domestic violence, uh, drug substance use, et cetera, you know? And, and so that being said, what sort of, I guess, 
long-term mental illness impacts are you kind of expecting or have you seen it already you know with with your psychological support for the time being no but to be honest i'm not actually uh, I'm not the person responsible for psychological support because I'm not a psychologist uh, and we have we have a, a member of our team, uh, actually she's the representative of the city authorities and she's educated in that direction and she coordinates all the works in Poland. So right now um, I don't think that we have anybody that is undergoing like some kind of permanent treatment. Uh, probably there are some people, but maybe they're using some individual ways. For us, uh, as far as Homo Faber is concerned and our refugee committee, these were mainly some kind of interve inter intervention. I have a problem with this word. Intervention. Yeah. Uh, You're intervention. Doing very well. Psychological aid. Yeah, so it's like somebody in crisis, we have this phone number, they would call us and they will receive like immediate support. But I don't think that we have a permanent program yet. Right, because it, it really doesn't happen right away. Yeah. You know, the impact of this trauma, it just is going to happen over the months, weeks, years to come, you know. Um, we want to prevent actually these kind of things you were talking about, like some kind of mental illness breakdowns and things like that. Uh, but so 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 that's why the center is so needed because we also need a safe space for those people so not right now the committee is operating at the cultural institution which is which was also amazing how many cultural institutions actually adapted uh, to these uh, humanitarian organizations so they would give us their space uh, to use uh, it for free and to make all the operations there so we are actually right now in the in the Center for Culture in Lublin, which is a, a local institution, and we have the whole basement where our com com committee operates. But it's not really a space to have patients with some uh, psychological problems. Uh, so the center, that's why we are repeating about this center. This we keep on talking about the center because we really believe that we need to create this kind of safe space where every person would feel welcome every person would know that they are going to find the support whatever support they need right now right. and yeah that that's actually a great idea so it's if you go to one place to satisfy all of your needs yeah you know, everybody's right at the same location that makes a lot of sense um hindsight being hindsight being 2020 is there, because th these were questions that were sent to me by some folks as well, um, where, is there, would you say, was there something the Ukrainians wish they had known before the crisis? Like, a, could they have been better prepared, um, you know, for saying, oh my God, there's a war, what should I do? Like, what should I gather? And we know we're gonna run to love, Loveland, but what should I have? What, how should I get my life in order to be able to run? Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it's, a, it's a question that, like, how could they have better prepared they, themselves? Or 
they just realized in a short period of time, just pack what I could carry with my hands and they ran, right? Um, and this is, this is, again, a very difficult question because actually uh, the war, the Russian war with Ukraine started several years ago. So with Crimea, for example. So they actually took the Crimea and they took uh, Donetsk regions. And so they were attacking these territories. These are the territories in the Eastern Ukraine. And there were some rumors saying uh, that there will be a war, but I have a lot of Ukrainian friends because I live in Lublin. So everybody who lives in Lublin have, uh, a lot, has a lot of Ukrainian friends, but people from Ukraine, they didn't believe that the war, like the full scale war is actually going to start and they would deny it till the very late days. And actually, again, I don't feel that I'm in the position to speak on behalf of Ukrainians. Maybe you can have some Ukrainian member of our community uh, for the next meeting or something like that. So I, I believe that they would be able to answer these questions because they know these internal relations, these political relations within the country. And of course, my Ukrainian friends told me that they don't believe they're is going to be a war. So I also didn't believe there is going to be the war because I thought that they knew better. But actually on the other side, at the same time, they were investing a lot of money uh, to their army and they were getting the army ready because Ukrainian army, like I guess that uh, even uh, Putin didn't uh, expect that, that Ukrainian army will be so well equipped and so well prepared and so brave actually. Uh, because if you compare like Russia and Ukraine, it seems like impossible thing to do actually to resist these attacks for such a long time. And it's actually happening. Of course, they have international support, uh, but the sanctions are, in my opinion, they are not that severe as they should be, as, as they could be for many different reasons, which are difficult to analyze right now. Uh, but actually, I think that um, people in power in Ukraine, they might have expected that it's going to happen because otherwise they wouldn't train their army so well. And it's right. a really great, well-equipped army and a very efficient. Right. And, the, and the, we have here media blasting us all day. There's information from news, information, 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 information. And we have this information that we get from the news and from all these social media, social media outlets of information. Is, is, is it the same over there in Poland and, and, and Ukraine where there's news, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week of news to keep people informed of what's happening in their country? In Poland or in Ukraine? Both. Mm -hmm. uh, so in Ukraine, again, um... I, 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 I don't know fully how it looks like. I believe that, yeah, so these days people have the access to the internet, so they basically can follow the information. In Poland, of course, now uh, it's just like with, I'm sorry, maybe it's not a fortunate uh, comparison, but it was the similar situation with the COVID pandemic. Yeah, so when it started, it was on the loop all the time, all the time, all the time. These, right now, it's over a month, 
it's almost two months actually i'm just looking at my at, um, at the date it's over two months so of course this topic is not used that often uh, but still it's ongoing uh, i also can use my example so when the war started i was actually having holidays in spain and i was on my phone 24 7 i couldn't sleep i couldn't eat i couldn't do anything i was so afraid about my home my family i didn't know whether to come back or not but then i came here came to my my hometown and i was like okay it's just a lot of work to be done right now so it's really required it's really good that you are here and not somewhere else because actually as i said in the first question we are safe in poland uh, but uh, but 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 yeah this is one of the most uh, actually i was pretty surprised that in spain this topic wasn't that um like wasn't that uh, popular this was my impression that in Poland, all the media, they were talking about it only and nothing else. And in Spain, when I was during my holiday and when the war broke out, I, I had a feeling that it's not that intense. But of course, this is this proximity of right. the, the war right. zone. That's why. The reason I asked you that question, because you had mentioned that it seems as though the Ukraine armies were prepared. But yet there were friends of yours that said, ah, it's not going to be a war. It's not going to be a war. It's not going to be a war. So there was a disconnect between the information that the military knew or, you know, or, or politically the politicians knew, but the people didn't know, you know, yeah. that it was going to really be happening. They didn't know or they maybe didn't want to accept that it may happen. They didn't want to believe that, you know, it's, because it's like when we talk when we talk about wars, wars actually there is always a war somewhere in the world. But the thing is that I think that we haven't thought that it's possible that it will be actually almost in the European Union, like on the borders of European Union. And this is what's so shocking for people. So of course it's terrible at the same time because when we think about Syria, we are not so shocked. And when we talk about Ukraine, everybody is shocked that it's possible to have war there. Any war is terrible, right? So we should be equally shocked for all of them. But I understand why it's going on like that. Yeah, because we believe that, no, it's impossible, especially after the Second World War, the First World War, we, we find it difficult to believe that something like that is happening again. Yes. Yes, it's, and you know, the United States, we never think that our land here is ever going to be invaded. And we always feel safe. We're always watching, you know, demolitions like in Ukraine and wars that have happened, you know, throughout the world, never us until 9 11. Yeah. And when we had 9 11, it woke, up, it woke us up a little bit. And we said, oh my God, you know, it was, it was terrifying. Um, what? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, also, oh, it was oh. also uh, in on. Uh, I remember that day very well because my mom made me translate American news into <laughs> Polish for her. So, and I also had the I had an opportunity to visit the memorial in the New York City. So it was very touching. Yes, yes, and and we and we still to this day get a lot of media about the war that's happening in. Ukraine. It's on the first, first page of the New York Times every single day. 
Um, so that's so, so they're, they're, they're informing us that is still going on. What do you think will be the most important first step for the Ukrainians once the war and the violence stops? Well, they will have certainly a lot of work to do in rebuilding the country which is destroyed. But as I said, not all the country is destroyed, but there are regions that are really heavily destroyed. Uh, Kyiv itself and a lot of sites and monuments, a lot of uh, churches, for example, a lot of temples and things like that. So they basically would have to start probably from scratch in some point, in some areas in their country, wow. but they have, but they have, uh, but they have a very powerful president and he's very trusted. So I believe that he can be the leader of that change. And with him, I, I believe that we are big fans of Ukrainian presidents of Zelensky here in Poland. And he's like a hero for us. Uh, and all the images, like he's so close to the people. He's making high fives. Uh, with, with citizens at the bomb, bombed streets of Kiev. He's there all the time with, with the folks and it's really impressive. I don't think that every president would act the same way. Yes, yes, it, 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 it is. We see him on TV and we say, wow, he says, I'm not going anywhere, you know. Um, he also had, uh, said that it's not only our country, the whole world should be concerned. Yeah. Um, with, I'm just with, reading what he's done. Right, you see that, right? With Putin's, uh, uh, yeah, so so he's fearless, this Putin, and he has no concern for life, you know? At least that's what it seems. Um, but that being said, is Poland preparing themselves just in case Putin decides to jump across that line? from Ukraine to Poland. Are you aware of it? Has there been any talk with, um, from your politicians about that? Again, I think that it's like uh, me, personal, uh, I'm maybe, but maybe this is the strategy that Ukrainian people had had before. Maybe I just don't want to admit that the risk is so close. And I believe that it's impossible right now because, uh, because I don't think that they would dare to, to invade NATO. But I don't know why do I have so much trust in NATO, but I do. Um, and... Uh, well, I was pretty afraid at the beginning of the use of atomic weapon, uh, but uh, but it, it it didn't happen. So I, I think that if it had to happen, it would happen before. Uh, but but yeah, probably like the the military the military units in Poland are mobilized. Um, probably they're, they're, that the soldiers are being trained. Um, but I don't think that really here in Poland, we, right now, we, I'm not, I don't want to sound like it's impossible or something, but I don't, I, we don't see this danger on the street. We don't see right. this fear on the street. 
Like right. we at the beginning, at the beginning, it was like that. At the very beginning, first few months, a few weeks, people would buy all the petrols from petrol stations. Right. Uh, there was not right. possible to, to, to tank your car in Poland. Uh, there were also the shortage of some hygienic products or for some kind of food products, like the, the wet, uh, the, the dry products, like rice and things like that. So again, very similar to the moment when the pandemic started in right. Poland. Yeah, so um, once again, I, I want to remind you that when this call ends, you and I are going to continue our dialogue, not today, but via email to communicate about specific organizations and what they can do and how we could get money to those organizations. That's going to be kind of important because that's what many of the American people want to know that the money is going to yeah. something, right? And that's that's kind of key. Uh, America, a lot of money in America, you know, they, they want to help. Everybody wants to, you know, go into their pockets and help. Of course, they... this is the, this is, all, and, uh, this is the obvious thing for me. So uh, we, our organization tries to be as transparent as possible. Uh, so uh, specifically, I can, we, we, we are working on the budget. So it's a, it's wow. a very complicated process since we have a lot of donors. Some of them are private, some of them are, are institutional, so um, we we are able to say how how the money is used. One last question. You've been wonderful. Thank you so much for the information. Um, one last question, and this is a question about you know we are Americans, and I'm sure the world they love their they love their animals, they love their cats, they love their dogs. You know they love whatever they're raising, and we were hearing that. The um, some of the pets weren't allowed to come with with some of the um, the Ukrainians, mm -hmm. uh, and is that a problem? Yeah. What, 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 is is that a problem? So so yeah. That's, in, yeah. in Poland, we also love our pets. We are very <laughs> obsessed about them. So I'm very happy that you are asking these questions because, of course, people are the most important. But I believe that pets are also very, very important, and um, it can be heartbreaking when you when you lose your 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 pet. Um, so actually, it's very complicated because I used to visit Ukraine. I used to spend my holidays in Ukraine, and this is a this is a very wonderful place to visit. The people are great and the nature is amazing. It's untouched. It's unlike Poland because in Poland is, yeah, Poland is very populated. We don't have that many uh, wildlife spots. So Ukraine was really, really great. Uh, and actually I was meeting a lot of pets there before the war, a lot of stray animals. In Poland, we don't have a problem of stray, anim stray animals anymore, but in Ukraine, there used to be a lot of them. And I remember me wanting to take some kitten or some dog home. And actually the process of taking a pet from Ukraine to European Union is a very, very complicated process. The pet like that needs a quarantine, which is like two weeks. So basically you cannot do it without help of somebody who is living in Ukraine and can, can take care of that pet for some time. But what the Polish city guards did, um, they allowed people to bring their pets with them actually so without any papers so they made this exception to make this whole process this whole complicated process 
much, much easier. And again, the execution of this process was different. On some border crossing, it was better. On some processes, uh, on some border crossing, it was worse. There was also a huge problem with accommodation. So people were able to cross to Poland through the board crossing with a pet, but then they, it was extremely difficult for them to find accommodation uh, with pets. So some pets would, uh, some pets were um, left in some hostels for pets. Some pets were just being uh, in the temporary houses. Some pets were probably ended up in the dog shelters, but we also have a lot of organizations in Poland. So if any, of our listeners would be interesting to donating particular for this kind of support that we I also can I also can share uh, the contact data to the in, to the organizations that actually are very active in supporting pets they even go to Ukraine they bring pets uh, who are left alone so so it's also it's also the the issue that we are for thinking now. and i and i agree that the people are the most important especially those that are that are um, that are trying to get their family and their children out of harm's way, um, but you know the pets. You, you got to throw something about the pets out there because we are all pet. We are all in the world pet lovers as yeah. well as people lovers. Um, I, I don't have any more questions except for one, and it's it's about, and you see some questions that are popping up on yeah. the in the yeah, chat. Yes. Um, is there, we have like Team Up for Hope has a non-for-profit status you know, and it's, it's a process to become like, it's, it's, a, it's a charter of, you know, 501c3 charter. It's, it's how we are held and accountable by, for accounting purposes that the money cannot be used for personal gain, you know, in business, it's not a business, it's a non-for-profit. Do you have the same status there for your organizations? Yes, we, we also have this type of, uh, so we, we, our, our organization is the association and it has a non-for-profit status. It's called in, Pol in Polish Organizacja Pożytku Publicznego, so it's like public service organization. Uh, and I do not know now, uh, I may lie, but I guess that we have had this status since 2009 or something like that. But every information uh, that you, if you want to check every information about our organization, you can check in this like national court uh, uh, journal. Of course, all the information is in Polish, but I can translate for you or I can um, prepare a certified translation. Uh, but yeah, we have this kind of status as well. So it means that also we can uh, collect money from 1% of tax because uh, we also have this um, idea of uh, support that uh, if you are Organizacja Pożytku Popiżnego, so this non-for-profit organization, every person while they are preparing the tax declaration, they can give 1% of the tax to a given organization and we are also uh, on uh, in the list. Well, okay. My More questions, questions, my questions have come to an end. And, <laughs> okay. You know, and I'm sure, you know, hopefully the listeners have benefited f with information that you've shared. Um, and I will be reaching out to you to get the name of some of the organizations, especially yours, and to understand about how to transfer the money and all that stuff. That'll be important to know. 
because we, we just want to make sure the money is leaving our hands and going into yours or into your organization's hands. Um, and today, myself, um, Amy Green, who is, his, who is on, and, and Tiffany Magna, who's also on, um, and, and Jeff Green, who is also on, um, thank you very, very much. Now, Tiffany, do you have any questions you'd like to share? Or Jeffrey? Um, I just want to say how impressed I am. I mean, I've been sitting here listening. I wrote a few things down that I was going to ask, but you were pretty thorough, Wayne. I went into this, you know, a little hesitant, wondering if it was going to be awkward and trying not to be offensive in any way. And the way you spoke, your English, and you, you just feel your emotion through your words. I wasn't expecting it to be so thorough and I'm just so impressed by you personally. Um, it makes you wanna help even more than before meeting you. I think as a country and as an organization, you know, we can need to make it real and focus on exactly what we can do that you need. And you've taught me a lot. You know, I knew nothing about the rape you know, the thought that I am a mother of two daughters, that that's going on and no one in this country probably even knows about it. Like that's definitely something that we as an organization could come together and try to get specific help for pregnant women escaping Ukraine. If that's something that you tell us you want us to work on. You know, obviously the mental illness is something that we're passionate about, but that doesn't mean we can't expand and, and be more specific on how we can help you. And you know, you've educated me for an hour on thing. I wanna cry right now, but I wanna just thank you for opening up the way you have and, and being so welcoming to share something that is, is pretty private and something that you know none of us had any idea of what you were going through and how you're trying to work to change the world, not just your own. So thank Thanks. you for opening up to us and teaching. Thank you so much. It's very nice to hear that. I was also at the beginning a bit insecure because I'm not the most uh, actively involved person from our organization in this all support activities. I'm just like helping as I can because I'm also having my own job and, and uh, I'm pretty busy with that. So I'm just doing it whenever I can. So I'm re really happy because I, I thought that, okay, who am I to teach? I probably, I would have nothing interesting to say. So it's very nice to hear that you, you've, you've learned Yes. something from me it's it's great and thank you so much all of the organization for team up for hope for uh supporting us reaching uh, to our organization and having me today uh, yes you were you were you were one and tiffany is a part of our team up for hope uh members she's one of our members as well as amy amy did you have any further questions for asha You're on mute if you know. Yeah, I would just like to say um, anyone who wants to donate, you can visit our website, teamupforhope.org, click on the donate button. 100% of proceeds from today, from learning so much from Aja. Thank you so much. You've been so wonderful. 100% will go to her um, charity, which we just spoke about, to help them who really need our help. So thank you very much for everything. 
Thank you. The Asha, is there any, you know, it's funny because you you were volunteering in the beginning, Asha, right? There was no pay. You were volunteering, like we volunteer for Team Up for Hope. And we have countless not-for-profits here, community service organizations that people volunteer their time for. And you were doing it for something that is the forefront of the news today. Um, and, and people are dying and, and women are getting raped, which was horrible to hear, as Tiffany had mentioned. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of there being the injury. I was thinking of battle injuries, not the, the other things that occurred during war, which, is, which are horrific. Um, so that was enlightening. And it was great to have your perspective as a volunteer on what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. That's what we were looking to broadcast today, just bring awareness and how it's affecting people like yourself in your home land, you know, and you did a great job articulating it. And I know we had like a million questions and I apologize about that, but it was informative. It really <laughs> was. Okay. Is there anything you would like to say to us before we sign off and share with us? I just want to thank you one more time for finding, reaching, uh, finding us, reaching our organization, for having me today, for giving me the platform to talk a little bit about what we are doing here and how does the situation look like. And of course, thank you for donations and, and support with, with, with our operations and trust you, you gave us. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, everyone. Our time has come to an end today. Hopefully you will brought some awareness about what's happening, um, you know, and what Homo Faber is do, doing in Loveland, Poland and, and aiding the um, Ukrainian refugees. Uh, peace and love to everyone. And I wish you nothing, nothing but the best. And you and I'll be communicating via email, Asha, as the days and the weeks go by. Okay, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Yes. Have a good oh, day. I have evening. <laughs> so Yes, I'm, I know bye it's bye. right here now. Yes. Take bye. care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.